1: this is uh, another episode of Vacation Rental Success podcast and I'm your host Heather Bayer. Lovely to be with you once again. And we are just um 6 7 days away now from 7 8 days away from the Vacation Rental Success Summit. So we're all working really really hard to uh to to finalize all sorts of bits and pieces around that, make sure it is the most amazing event for those of you who are attending. Uh, For those of you who aren't, um, you'll probably be pleased to see when I stop talking about it. I I will be bringing in a a recap of it uh, the week after the event. But that will just be to bring some some really good tidbits of information about what went on and, and some of the highlights of the workshops. After that, I'll probably go quiet on the topic for a few months until we start working towards VRSS 18. However, I'm keeping my introduction short today because the interview I have is is lengthy. It's probably going to go over the hour, and I hope you can stay with it because my guest today is um, Michael Hamilton from Live Swell. Now, Mike joined me in an earlier episode this year talking about his own vacation rental investments in uh, South Carolina and San Diego, and we had a great discussion on how he had chosen and renovated and created these properties that, became, that had become successful very, very quickly. And we touched a little bit during that episode on the actual topic of vacation rental investment because Michael has a lot of knowledge and experience in this field now, having bought and set up several properties. And he has a background in, um, in investment too. So, so I wanted to bring Michael back and actually to talk in more depth about the topic of vacation rental investment, you know, from, from A to Z really, how does one become a vacation rental investor as opposed to having the idea that I'm just going to buy a vacation, I'm just going to buy my second vacation rental and model it on the first. So he's going to talk about the, the ins and outs of practical vacation rental investment and he goes into it in quite a bit of depth, so stay with it, stay with it to the end. He's got a handout that we're going to put on the, on the, on the site. Possibly this won't get on the day this is published because we're doing this in fairly, at fairly short notice, but it will be up on the show notes um, before, before too long, so keep checking back. So without further ado, let's move on over to my conversation with Michael Hamilton of Live Swell. Well, it's a warm welcome to Michael Hamilton, and thank you very much, Michael, for joining us again for, I was going to call it part two of our podcast about um, vacation rental investment, but in fact, your first one was more of an exploration of your own properties. So this is something new, and I'm really excited about it as we introduce vacation rental investment to our audience. Welcome back.
0: Well, thank you for having me back, Heather, um, for the second time. And, and, uh, you know, hopefully as, as we progress, we'll, uh, we'll see some more podcasts on some, some more topics. Personally, I'm really excited about this topic and to present some of the insights that I've learned along my journey. Uh, it's been really impactful for me and it's changed the trajectory of my life. Um, and, and for people that are close to me, because they've also been able to experience some of those results. And the other thing I wanted to say too, Heather is, um, I'm really excited to go to this uh the Toronto event, the Vacation Rental Summit and I'm excited to meet, you know, other investors and and to um, you know, be in a be in a mastermind group of people that can help each other um continually grow and develop as investors and and you know, vacation rental owners.
1: Uh that's that's interesting you should say that because in my opening keynote I'm actually talking about, you know, doing what what you should be doing after the event you know don't just go and go away all motivated with lots of notes and then don't do anything about it afterwards and forming a mastermind is one of the things i'm going to suggest so you know to, to, to not just masterminding at the event but going away with connections with people that you can actually work together with after the event so so this is all going to be exciting sort of um onwards and upwards um post vacation rental success summit so can't wait to meet you there um, it was really interesting, you know, one, one of the reasons I, I really wanted to have you back is that your first episode, which was talking generally about your own properties, the, the properties that you'd personally invested in, uh, has had one of the highest download rates this year. People are really interested in in this whole topic because it's, it's as though they're they're going away from, yeah, I'll just buy a vacation home and I'll rent it out to actually doing some more strategic planning towards not just the first one, but maybe more after that. So I I, I did have questions from quite a few listeners about taking this to the next level, which is what we're going to do today. I mean, let's go back to basics. But what is an investor? How would you class somebody as an investor rather than somebody who's just bought a second home?
0: An investor, in my mind, is somebody that is, is seeking a return, you know, some sort of financial gain from an opportunity. Um, so somebody that's investing in a second home, yes, they're buying a piece of property, but they're also looking to um, have some personal enjoyment out of that as well. Uh, but the investor specifically goes in with the, um, the idea of making money. I, I'm sure you've seen that show Shark Tank, I think in um, Canada, Heather, they call it. Dragon's Den, but on the U.S. version, there's a guy named Mister Wonderful, and he's Canadian.
1: He is, and he and, and, and he is possibly, possibly going to be the leader of the Conservative Party in the next couple of weeks.
0: Okay, so you got some <laughs> exciting times going yes. on there. Yes,
1: well, that, 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 this this could invite all sorts of stuff from what I just said. But he is a, he is a leading contender in the Conservative leadership uh, race. So. Yeah, very, very interesting. You know, we 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 talked before the show and said interesting times, uh-huh. definitely. But yes, yeah. we do get Shark Tank over here, and um, and Mr. Wonderful is, uh, yeah, he he's he's very well known in Canada.
0: So if you've ever seen him, and I mean, not everybody that goes on that show they get the financing, the funding that they're seeking, but essentially the framework of that show is somebody has a business opportunity, and they're presenting it to an investor, Mr. Wonderful, who has the Capability, the financial capability to make that investment. Now, for him, what he has to see, he has to see the value. Um, he has to see the um, the ability for the entrepreneur, the investor, to make money, because the more money the entrepreneur, the investor makes, that reduces his risk as um, the financial backing partner. And a lot of times, too, he's he could he could be pretty critical of people on that show. And you know what it is for their own growth, because at the end of the day, if they don't know their numbers, they don't know their business. And how does an investor put out money um, to a scenario knowing that it's, that it's not structurally safe uh, and expect to get a return? So he's very clear on that show that, hey, look, I'm an investor. If I can't find a way to make money somehow, um, I'm out. Uh, because if he can't make money, how can he afford to make further investments and, and, and do those sorts of things? So um, that's how I would describe an investor. But we're also in interesting times, too, because the really cool thing about Owning a second home is, well, if you take a couple personal weeks uh, for your use, uh, you might be able to achieve a similar result or the same result if you just approach it from uh, an investor's perspective and, 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 and go at it that way.
1: You're talking about an investor's perspective. Does, does the term investor apply to everybody or are there different types? Is there a, is there a definition of, of types of investor? <clears throat>
0: Yes. I I think it is important to define the type of investor that you are. Uh, But before I go ahead and I answer that question, I I have a little bit of a disclaimer that I want to put out here. Number one, I'm still learning. I'm not perfect. And in this podcast, I'm going to be talking about perspectives and how people think. Uh, For example, how do consumers think, how do amateur investors think, and how do professional investors, how do they think, act, and make decisions around two key areas of their life, their time and their money. And I want to be very, very clear here. It's not wrong or right to think or approach the business, the vacation, rental business in a certain way. So if I challenge somebody's beliefs or if something that I present is opposite the way that somebody listening to this podcast thinks, it's not personal. It's simply another way of thinking. But if we can think another way, it can lead to a different result. Uh, Basically, what do I want to impress upon folks here in this podcast is if we can think and we can act and we can make decisions like professional investors, like Mr. Wonderful, well, then we're more likely to get results like Mr. Wonderful has. So personally, myself, you know, I approach the vacation rental business with a background in finance. I studied international business in graduate school. I have training in business systems. I have training in analytics, uh, metrics, and, and really, you know, I have a passion to continually improve and get better. Uh, one of the strategic decisions that I made as I got involved in real estate investing is I got a lot of help from high-level real estate investors that had results that I want. So I modeled their success, I modeled what it is that they do. Um, So getting back to that specific question, why is it important to define the type of investor you are? Look, at the end of the day, it's important to understand your strengths and your weaknesses in whatever endeavor it is that you you go forward in, especially in real estate investing because it's a business where people can make a lot of money but they can also lose a lot of of money. So if you really define what your goals are in investing in a vacation rental property um, from the outset, you're going to be better off. So let me give some examples of this. You know, there's some people that are looking for their first vacation rental that they can also enjoy and spend time at, right? They're, they're kind of doing that, that uh, hybrid model where, hey, look, I really love this area. I want to spend time there, but I also want to make an investment. You have other people, this is more like myself, that are looking to build a boutique brand uh, and grow our, our units and, and scale our business. Um, there's some people that want a seamless, a turnkey vacation rental, and what I mean by that is that it's basically they can start using it after the day that they buy it. There's no renovation work. There's no improvement. It's basically rental ready. They might even buy it furnished. They might even buy it with an inventory system and, and all of these things in it. You know, if somebody is open to taking on a renovation project, this is an area where we can add more value. Well, there's lots of different types of renovation projects. We've got to ask ourselves, well, how, how large of a, an investment project am I comfortable with or a renovation project? A $20,000 project is... $20,000 in a renovation goes really quick. Is it a $50,000 project or is it a $100,000 plus renovation? Um, another thing to consider as well, is this a long-term investment or is it a short-term investment? What timeline are you looking at? Is this something that we want to leave to our children as a legacy after we pass? How do we plan to finance the investment? And, and really, what type of return are you seeking? If that's your goal, is it cash flow? Am I looking for cash flow or am I looking for equity? So... You know, asking yourself these types of questions is going to help you know and understand your goals, which property types you can start to work with, uh, your investment timeline, and which properties are also within your skill sets and your current capabilities. Because, uh, again, in real estate investing, if we get in over our head into a project that we're not uh, – we don't have the skill the sets developed yet, we might be getting in over our head. And in real estate, there's a big difference between uh, scraping your knee and and cutting your – you know cutting your leg off, Mm -hmm. um, to use kind of a a weird analogy there. One of the most important things to do during this exploration of what type of investor am I is to really evaluate your money mindset, to really evaluate your money mindset. And, And what I mean by that, it's your perspective of how you think about money. Consumers and amateur real estate investors, they're often very puzzled as to some of the mindset shifts as they get more involved with investing and talk to other investors so whether you're on your first investment or planning to build a, a larger portfolio, again, my feeling is that you're going to find uh, better results if you can think and act and make decisions like a professional investor. So I'm going to say this again. It's not wrong or right mm-hmm. um, to think a different way, but it will lead to different outcomes. So if it's OK with you, Heather, what I wanted to do is just take a, take a moment here and introduce some of these examples of how does, an inve- how does an amateur investor think or a consumer and how does a professional investor think? Um, think and I'll and I'll mention like five little ones is that okay
1: That that's absolutely fine because you know I, I'm sort of thinking back to to my journey um over the past well, coming up on 18 years now 19 years and starting very much in what I think was probably the amateur area um and it probably taken me 18 years to where I get to get where I am now and so so yes I'd love to hear what uh, what what you have to say about that um, help, yeah. help people get there a lot quicker than I did.
0: Some of my folks that are near and dear to me in my life, they've um, shared with me some of these, what they, you know, sometimes they're referred to as secrets of the wealthy. Um, and this is, again, these are these perspectives. So it's not wrong or right, it's just how somebody thinks, but it will lead to different results. Um, so consumers, they focus on cost. Investors focus on return. It doesn't matter what it costs to an investor. What matters is they're a great return. Can I make money? Right. You know, a lot of times consumers are like, well, that costs too much. Well, it's not about what it costs. It's about what, what can it do for me? Um, another you know, mindset shift um, some consumers we see, not all of them, um, they fear debt. They don't want to use debt. All debt is bad. Well, um, there's good debt and there's bad debt. Um, you know, I believe if debt is used wisely, it's an accelerator of wealth. Um, there's some really interesting things and in, in, in times right now as well. Um, debt on real estate is, is some of the cheapest that, that I've ever seen in my lifetime that maybe I'll ever see in my lifetime. You know, if we finance a property with a 30-year fix, that's what we can do in the U.S. I know your loan products are a little bit different in, in Canada there, Heather. Mm-hmm. Um, and we lock it in at 3.5%. Well, the other guys stuck with it for for 30 years. Um, to be able to lock in um, good debt, um, you know, you have to understand you're not paying for it. It's your tenants, it's your renters that are paying for that debt. And they're also reducing uh, the debt as well. They're, they're taking care of the debt reduction. So um, it's, an, it's a necessity uh, for a professional real investor to be open to using debt. And, you know, I would say this too. I mean, there's probably some people that are listening to this call. You might have a couple million dollars in your bank account. Um, if you invest all that money, right, you're going to be making a return You get some cash flow back. But how do you make your next investment if you don't have the cash in the bank? It's something that we have to be open to. Um, and, and with credit and debt comes responsibility. So that's why I say it has to be used wisely. Um, investors, you know, this is another point here, they view money as a tool and they let it go. That's the first rule of real estate investing. We've got to be able to let it go. But We've got to be able to let it go confidently. A lot of consumers, um, they hem and they haw. They fear investing money. They save it. You know, fear is just not knowing the outcome confidence is knowing the outcome. We, come be, we can become more confident by getting more educated in some of these investing principles. Uh, another point here consumers amateur investors they trade time for money professional investors put money to work from them. I'll give an example of this if you're managing your own properties and still trading some of your time for money and you're actively involved in the business that's an example of trading time for money for an investor their business, their investment should still run with or without them present. The wheels don't fall off if, um, you know, uh, they can't get to the phone. They have a process, a system in place to keep things moving forward. And, you know, the last point that I'll mention here is that, you know, investors really, they understand the power of compound interest. They understand how to grow money and they understand leverage, not just in terms of credit and financing, but in other resources. They understand how to leverage time. They understand, they think about their time differently as well. So to sum all of this up, I think after we've defined what type of investor we are, right, our goals, uh, we've evaluated our money mindset. The next step is to really start with the end in mind. And anybody that reads professional development books, business books, you're going to hear that concept. And it doesn't matter if our goals are in the short term or in the long term. We want to begin with that end in mind. And, And the best entrepreneurs, investors, business people, they work backwards. They begin with that end goal and then they plan and assemble the resources that are required to execute a specific investment opportunity. So for this scenario we're talking about a vacation rental. Let's define what it is we want to achieve and then we can start to work backwards to implement that plan.
1: That is such wise advice. And you know once again looking back on on the way I managed my business when I first first got into it and this this is not not talking about buying property, but just a property management company. When I advise people who are starting out property management companies and taking on board other people's properties to manage is always start with the end in mind. How many properties do you want to end up with? Do you want twenty? Do you want fifty? Do you want two hundred? Do you want to be a a Steve Milo and have two and a half thousand three thousand properties? Start with that end in mind because that will guide you from the very beginning. And if you don't, you end up like like I mean we did we we ended up with with reservation systems that couldn't cope with the uh, with growth. So right. so that's just you know sort of another another side of it. Um, but yes, in, in anything like this, knowing what the outcomes what outcomes you desire is, is just so important. And I think a lot of people go into it just you know it's it's the here and now. Um immediate gratification, lots of emotion uh, lots of emotion yeah. involved. and yep. not looking at the long term.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, that's the not everybody, but uh, there's a lot of people in our society they want an instant gratification, and um, it's gonna be very, very difficult to approach investing with an instant gratification type mindset.
1: You've provided us with a, um, a handout that I'm going to include in, in the show notes. And I just wanted to to double back on that because in that you talk about exit strategy. And I'd just like to sort of catch up on that before we move on because uh, I see this in forums and on Facebook groups all the time is that owners have had their properties for some time. They want to sell them. They know the business value that's in that property and they're speaking to realtors and realtors are telling them that it's not that there is no commercial value as far as they can see because the buyers coming in aren't interested in it. So, can I just have your comments on that? On on how to develop an exit strategy if if it's just let's say it's just somebody with one or, or maybe two properties.
0: Sure. So I, I think some of the best thing that we can do is upfront. Again, is is um, uh, we're going to make our money on a real estate project when we buy. Um, You'll hear this in different asset classes. You'll hear Warren Buffett talk about it. You know, he's a value investor. He buys undervalued. Um, So the better job that we can do buying up front is going to reduce our risk and allow us uh, more flexible exit strategies on the back end. Um, So the most common exit strategy out of a vacation rental property is going to be to sell it. Um, We can sell it to another vacation rental owner. We can sell it to a retail buyer. Um, If if we do have a system set up, uh, a revenue stream that's there, uh, that might not be valuable to a retail buyer. Uh, But that could be valuable to somebody like me. That could be valuable to somebody like Heather. It might not be valuable to a realtor if they're not investing. Uh, They don't really understand how commercial assets are valued. Uh, Commercial buildings are, are valued much differently than, than residential property. Residential property is valued off of the comparable approach, meaning, okay, we look at a neighborhood, how many beds, how many baths, does it look like it's in the same condition? Uh, we're gonna go off of that. Commercial assets are valued based upon the income that they produce. And this is very interesting because as vacation rental owners, we're dealing with a lot of the same numbers. You know, we have a lot of operational expenses and we have revenue. So at the end of the day, What we earn is our net operating income, and that's the difference between our gross revenues and all of our operational expenses. It's the same thing with a commercial building. Now, with a commercial building, the way it's valued, though, is if we can increase the net operational income, we're not only increasing the net operational income, improving our our, our efficiencies and making more money to our bottom line, our profit, we're also increasing the building value. Um, so that's a very, very important distinction between residential real estate and commercial real estate is to under, understand how it's value valuation process. Um, some realtors aren't really aware of this, but there are loan products and lenders out there where yes, one rental property, and I've invested in traditional rental properties as well. So I'm going to apply this to vacation rentals. I haven't done this yet in vacation rentals, but my feeling is that, that we should be able to. Um, when you're You have a lot of risk with one property, because if you have a vacancy, well, you're responsible for all the expenses. So a commercial lender isn't really, uh, they see it as too risky. So the less units that somebody has, the more risky a a project is. The more units you have, now you can start to forecast vacancy. You can start to get a really good look at uh, what the income, the expenses are going to be at over time. So if we have a portfolio with multiple, multiple properties, let's say 10, 20 properties, that portfolio, even though they're individual units the overall portfolio behaves more like an apartment complex and it behaves more like an apartment houses. So there are lenders out there. I know in the United States that will take residential rental properties, single family residential rental properties, if we have enough of them, and they will wrap those into a commercial loan. And that's beneficial for somebody if they're using their personal credit to buy properties, because if we can wrap in a commercial loan now, all those properties under one loan product, now we start to open up our our personal credit to more acquisitions and things like that. So um in terms of the exit strategy, again, it's just gonna be the better job that we can do on the buy up front means that we can we don't have to squeeze the last dollar out of it. And so we can be more nimble and flexible on the on the contract sales price on the back end. Um, If we set up a really good system, it's gonna be again valuable. It's gonna be valuable to me. It's gonna be valuable to a Heather Bayer that's looking to um, increase her assets as well. So if the numbers make sense, yeah, I want I would want to jump on one of those projects. Maybe not a retail buyer. So um, I hope that answers that question.
1: Where where do where do you find these buyers? This is a question I see asked over and over again. You're selling a property. You've got ten years of solid business in it. How do you find a buyer for it?
0: Sure. So um, yeah, I, I think. Um, it's just going to be strategic in how you approach this. It's like anything. So I'm, I'm going to spitball off of this because I'm just thinking out loud here. Sure. Um, you know, there's realtors that I've personally worked with. Uh, they know that I'm an investor, but what if I asked them, do you know any other investors that are looking for a really, really good solid investment opportunity? Um, we could market our properties. Uh, you you could leverage free marketing. Uh, there's people looking for Um, vacation rental opportunities, off-market opportunities on Craigslist. There's people looking on Facebook. Um, I would go to vacation rental management companies and say, hey, look, I've been a vacation rental owner in this area for X amount of years. Um, Are there any large buyers? Or Are there any people that that you represent and that you manage their properties that have uh, 10 plus that are looking for a property with a great return in this same area? Because if I'm looking to grow my property in the same area and there's a a property that's been set up as a vacation rental, um, th- there might be a little less work that I have to take on in the beginning. If it has rental history, that's going to signal to me what sort of result they've already achieved. Now, that doesn't mean that that's going to be the result that I'm going to achieve. I don't consider myself average, but if that was an average result, I, w- I would forecast that I can do uh, a little bit better. Uh, so it's just, there's people, there's, there's people buying specific types of properties. For example, you know, we were just talking about commercial. Not everybody's qualified and knows how to buy commercial properties. But if I'm selling a commercial asset, I have to be able to know where to find those buyers. Um, so it's just really leveraging the local network, the realtors, the property management companies, the other people that are going to know other investors. And if you truly have a good opportunity, it's going to come out on paper. It's going to see you're going to show it in your profit and loss statement. Um, you know, unless somebody's cooking the books, but, um, you know, that that's, that's really, because that's, that's what, what I need to forecast anyway, when I go into an opportunity. So if I have uh, results up front, that's going to make me more confident. And a lot of times when you're looking at commercial opportunities, and personally, I'm not invested in commercial, but I've started to look at them, and I understand them, and, and, and I'm prepared to take advantage of them. That's going to be one of my next investments. Uh, but I've, I would love to see the, the past income history. That's going to make me more confident the more information I have.
1: That's a great answer, Michael. Um, I, I think... I, th- I think sometimes that when, when people are in that situation of, of starting to think of their exit strategy, they're thinking in too narrow, uh, narrow terms, narrow traditional terms. But you came up with some really good tips there. On So, so thanks for that. So what are the basics um, that investors in vacation rentals actually need to know?
0: So this is a great question. And my feeling is going to be that the basics, somebody looking to invest in a vacation rental, it's pretty much the same that any any traditional real estate investor is going to need to know. Um, you know, I, I mentioned this. Whether we're on our first one, um, we're on our on our second one, we're on our tenth one, our twentieth one. I really believe that if, if you think and act and make those decisions again like professional investors, you're going to get closer to your results. You're going to do, do it uh, quicker. Once we develop that, the second most critical thing for any real estate opportunity. I don't care if you're buying a mobile home if you're buying a commercial building, if you're lending on a deal, if it's a fix and flip, you have to learn how to evaluate a real estate opportunity. And that requires basic financial modeling. Now, sometimes when I say, I say that to people, they get, they get a little like weirded out. It's like, <laughs> it's not that complex, it's just math. It's just math. It's not calculus, it's just math, it's plus and minuses. Uh, but we need to know all of the numbers. Uh, we need to have a basic understanding of how to appraise a property. And why do I say that? We need to know what the values of properties are, because if we overbuy, if we pay over fair market value, well, you've started an investment with negative equity. Um, And is that going to happen all the time? No, that's not going to happen all the time. But we don't want to overpay for a property. Um, So, again, just getting back to that, you make your money when you buy, the better job that we do on the front end, right, that's going to make our exit a little bit easier. Um, A basic construction knowledge, uh, you don't need to know how to build a house, uh, but there hasn't been too many properties that I've come across that are completely ready to go turnkey. Uh, we're going to have to know how to deal with handymen and, and, and tradesmen and, and, and things like that. Um, and, and the other one here, too, is, and this goes back to the last question, is you have to have an understanding of the rental revenue potential of the property. Now, if that's already existing in the profit and loss statements of the commercial building, I'm more confident, right? Uh, but if I don't have it because either the owner didn't keep records of it or it wasn't a property that wasn't rented... Well, I need to do some forecasting of that. I need to look at comparable properties. What are they renting them for? There's actually a site out there. It's called airDNA.com. AirDNA? Mm-hmm. Uh, not com, it's .co. And, and I bought their, uh, they have, what are they, city reports. And they analyze the data on Airbnb and they can give you uh, insights in terms of what are two-bedroom Airbnb renting for? What are one bedrooms? You know how many super hosts are there? You know what what are the super hosts doing in terms of? Do they have their property on Instabook? Do they not? All these sorts of things. So you can gain a lot of insights from that um, as well. Uh, the third one here is going to be really learning how to protect your assets and structure your entities. You know, we start getting involved in real estate investing. Um, one of the things that makes me a little bit uneasy is whenever I hear somebody leaves a property in their personal name, because that could pre- present a lot of liability risks. Um, so I've learned a lot about that and how to structure assets and deed and them to trust and, and then you know, have um, business entities take them over. Uh, number four is going to be understand your, your financing options and how to structure a deal. Um, there's lots of creative financing and deal structuring options. You know Most people... Uh, you know, out there think, hey, look, I'm going to buy a vacation rental. I got to go to the bank and get a mortgage. Uh, probably for most opportunities, yes. And and uh, like I was mentioning before, there's no better product out there that I know of right now than a 30 year fixed uh, because of where the interest rates are uh, to finance a property. But there's other options. There's owner financing, which I think in Canada you guys call a vendor take back. Um, you know, there's leveraging other assets, there's buying a property cash, there's using private equity, going back to Shark Tank, you could raise money and buy a property, um, you know, if, if th- that business opportunity is attractive enough to the investor. Uh, another tip here, you know, if, if our goal, and this is not everybody, if our goal is to scale and have a portfolio of properties, we talked about this on the last podcast, we must understand and be open to the concept of a systems-dependent business. This way we don't get stuck working in the business as a technician. And we can continue to work on the business to improve and grow it. People that get stuck in the business, and I see this on forums all the time with Airbnb, you know, got my tent bad review or, oh, this isn't becoming worth it. Or they are getting stuck in the business. They suffer from burnout. And, and, and unfortunately, some of these folks, they get out of the industry altogether. So the real key is to get educated, learn how to work smarter and acquire more assets. If, if that's the growth that we're going for. Uh, I might have mentioned this some, some point in the beginning, but I had another aside on this uh, for this particular question. You know, successful investors, business people, they model their processes and their businesses from other successful businesses. You, you don't have to be a, a one-man show. Um, if we find somebody or something that has the result that we want, uh, for example, Heather Bayer, you've had results that I've desired. I've bought uh, your NLP book. Well, I wanted to implement that. I didn't go try to figure it out on my own. I modeled that from you. Um, you, know, they, you know, successful people, they recognize that reinventing the wheel is more time-consuming and costly than copying and modeling success. Success leaves clues. Um, so that's, that's, that's why, again, you know, I'm grateful for, for you putting on this podcast because you know, you've created a form of best practices that can allow people to leapfrog uh, from maybe having to try it out, figure it out all on their own, and say, okay, well, this is a best practice. Maybe I'll just start with this.
1: This is great you know you you've you've talked about how to you need need to know how to appraise uh understand basic construction have an understanding of of the rental potential and you did mention air dna that's uh, and and I'll put a link in fact to in the show notes to an interview I did with Scott Shatford of air DNA It's about eighteen months ago, and I think air DNA have moved on a lot since then um but uh, but that that should be worth a listen um as as a sort of um addendum to this podcast um you talked about knowing how to structure assets and using using some expressions that perhaps people don't uh are not familiar to them understanding financing options and understanding you know why you should not be working in the business how can people go and learn where where do they go to learn all this stuff because i can i can see people sort of out on a hike or or on a run at the moment listening to this and thinking, yeah, this is all well and good um, to have this just list. But where do I get this information from that enables me to become a more savvy investor?
0: So I'm going to get to that question. Just just one comment I want to make, too, uh, about AirDNA. Um, I love it, uh, but you have to understand that it's only pulling data from Airbnb. Mm -hmm. So what I've noticed, um, and one of my properties since we renovated and put the photos up has just gone crazy with bookings, most of those have been home away, and so when their data analyzes my property, um, I, you know, I, I get I get the feeling, right, that it's highly accurate. But I don't want to paint the picture here that that is the be all and end all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very great resource um, to to have a look at, uh, but you know, there there's some pieces of it as well that I that I feel aren't 100% getting captured because of the interplay of different. Um, you know where it's pulling the data from different platforms and sites and stuff like that. But absolutely, for example, one of my friends, Zach, uh, he's a real estate investor out of Kansas City. He's been investing in commercial assets, traditional rentals. He's really loved, you know, my progress in the vacation rental business. He has a property under contract right now in Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I said, Zach, I know that you did some research on your own. Um, you went to Airbnb, you looked at you know like listings, you know things like that. I said, get this data. And let's look at it together, because it's going to give us some insights. Uh, but also, we just want to be careful that we're not relying 100% on it. We want to you know, validate and confirm some of that stuff, too. Uh, in terms of education, I mean, education and real estate investing can be found in many ways. Um, the, the key is that you know, it, some of it is more effective than others. I, I've mentioned this podcast that, I, that I've had great mentors. I try to learn and take advice from people that are more successful than I am. The interesting thing about you, you go in a a cab, you know, nothing, nothing wrong with getting in a cab or, um, anybody that drives a cab, but anywhere you go, um, you tell somebody you're involved in real estate investing, everybody has an opinion. So you have to be really, really careful where you get your information from. I like to personally get my information from people like Heather Bayer, uh, Merrill. Um, so like I said, I've mentioned him in the past. He's been a mentor of mine, Paul is Warren Buffett. I don't know him personally. Hopefully one day I will. I think it costs uh, like 50 grand to go to lunch with them, um, which would probably even still be worth it. It would be worth <laughs> it. Um, Tony Robbins, uh, you, you know, those sorts of people are, are you know, where we're going to, you know, get our education, take our advice from, you know, there's a lot of information online. You know, you can learn a lot in books, too. But um, I, I mentioned that, you know, just be careful where you get your information from. I'm actually going to throw my girlfriend Maria under the bus here. Heather, I did have your book. And I didn't even tell you this a long time ago. Uh, the Vacation Rental for Profit. I mean, okay. you published that. I don't know how long ago that was, but I found <laughs> a copy of it online. This is well before. I mean, this is around the time that I had gotten access to that, uh, the hypnotic listing descriptions. She had it on a plane and she lost it. So it's, it's gone right now. I haven't been able to find a replacement, but we'll, uh, we'll sort that out at some point. I will bring, um, you,
1: I'll bring you on to the conference. Oh,
0: thank, thank you so
1: much. Thank you <laughs> Although, so much. Well, you say, it was, that was a long time ago. I think I, I wrote that in 2003, and then it wow. was republished in 2007. And uh, so much, you know, I, I look at sometimes at the marketing uh, chapters of that, and it's just so out of date but uh, but yeah, it's um, some people are still finding some value out of it. So I'll make sure I'll, there's, bring, there's, I'll bring you a copy. There's
0: I'll, I'll personally say there's some foundational information in there that's that's going to be very valuable. Absolutely, is there going to be some changes from time to time as we go from decade to decade? Absolutely, a hundred percent. But you know, a lot of the foundation you know type stuff, um, operational efficiencies in a business aren't going to necessarily change. We're going to know that we're going to want to do that one way or the other. Uh, the last point I'll make in, in um, or, or the last outlet um, is, you know, investing in an educational program if you're really serious. And, and there's both programs at university level and there's private companies that offer programs that might be more practical. You know, I, I've invested at least $100,000 in my business and financial education and I don't regret that whatsoever. Um, I've mentioned fortune builders before I've been a student of theirs in their mastery program. And that's where I've gotten most of my education. And, and like I said, in the first podcast, I'm very grateful for them because they, they were the first ones to introduce me to the opportunity in real estate investing and to really coach me on financial literacy. A lot of this stuff that I'm sitting here telling you today, it's not my information. Um, you know, I'm not taking credit for it all. Uh, I just had, you know, people that showed me information and, and it's been really impactful. And so a quote that goes along with this, it it would be uh, appropriate here. The most valuable piece of real estate is the six inches between your two two ears. So I'll say that again. The most valuable piece of real estate is the six inches between your two ears. It's your brain. You know, the the sharper your brain is, uh, the more you know, um, the more nimble, the faster you're going to be, the more opportunities that you're
1: going to have. I would have loved to have had all this um, 20 years ago. Um, but uh, but had to learn by trial and error uh, th- again this is something i'm bringing up in my um opening talk at um at the conference is that 20 years ago it was very very different to where it is f- from from where we are now we had nothing we had no forums or facebook groups or real education in this we just had to we did did it by the seat of our pants um with with trial and error, and of course we didn't have Airbnb or Home Away or or any of mm-hmm. those other platforms. But now we have everything at our fingertips. It's all there. You just have to Google the question, and you're going to get the answer. Not necessarily the right answer, but you are. It it it's out there to be researched. So so let's just sort of try and bring all this together. Everything that we talked about together. Uh, can you can you give the listeners some advice on what the basic elements would be of their their starter vacation rental investment plan.
0: So Heather, when you first asked me to do this podcast, um, you also asked me to put together, um, you know, something that, you know, the basic elements of a vacation uh, investment plan that we could um, give to the listeners as, as a download here. And um, you know, I I took a, I took a, you know, a fair amount of time with that document and I think it was really smart um, to put out there. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over those points in just a little bit more detail here um, so you can understand some of the points that we've already talked about on this call. They might come up again and I ju- just might, you know, uh, apply a little bit more clarity to them or expand upon them a little bit more. Uh, the first part in there is, is, is going to be, uh, as, as we get real estate specific here, real estate investing specific, is to gain intimate market knowledge. Gain intimate market knowledge. What's also known as a pulse on your market. And why do we say that? We want to pulse on our market so that we can make decisions quickly in the location that you desire. Speed and intimate market knowledge, location knowledge, are competitive advantages. I'm going to say that again. Speed is a competitive advantage. The more knowledgeable you are about your marketplace and identifying a good real estate opportunity, you're going to be able to make an educated decision quickly to lock it up before another investor does. And what I mean by lock it up, that's an industry term for investors. You know, you ever hear somebody say like, oh, I, you know, I, I got a great opportunity. I got a great deal. We got a verbal agreement. You know, somebody can come right in under that and put a contract on the property and your verbal agreement is gone and out the window. Um, locking it up refers to the fact that you have a signed purchase and sale agreement from the seller, from the buyer. You have a closing date and you've also exchanged an earnest money deposit. That is locking up an opportunity. And sometimes people feel like, oh, well, if I lock up an opportunity, I've committed the deal. Again, this goes back to our education in terms of of knowing how to structure a deal and knowing what the contingency periods are and stuff like this. You might be able to lock up and control an opportunity but not be fully committed to it. We can do more research on it and then find out if it meets all of our financial goals and then proceed forward uh, with that. Mm -hmm. Um, So in this same same section again. I'll make a couple points that we've talked about. It's important to understand you're going to make your money when you buy, right? So again, that you know, knowing fair market value, how to appraise properties, and the key benefits of that too is, you know, this buying at a discount keeps your cost basis low, right? If you're using financing on a property, well, the less financing you're using, it's going to keep your cost basis lower. That increases your margins, increases your cash flow. Number two, it reduces your disc, uh, your your disc, your risk. Um, And just an aside, too, in terms of maybe a tip on how to develop that market knowledge, a lot of investors, myself included, we create maps of an area that we want to invest in with distinguished boundaries where there are changes in price points. A local zoning map may help, too. The second point that you're going to find on this, um, this document is to create a formal financial analysis, a projection of the real estate opportunity. And this is something that we've talked about already on the call. And it's and it's really being able to forecast all the investment inflows and outflows over time. So for doing that with a property that doesn't have established history, we're going to have to start it anew, but if it does have established history, that's going to help us along. Right? We're going to have to know the acquisition, the repairs, the furnishing, the supplies, the replacement stuff. Uh, I want to get those amenity the amenities, the bikes, grill, picnic table, you know, all of those things have to go in there. Um, personally myself, uh And Maria, my girlfriend, we have developed valuable tools and resources to do this quickly. Uh, We we use an Excel sheet. We develop an Excel sheet. We just pop in a few different numbers. Great. This is going to show us, you know, in a a very uh, time-sensitive period, you know, are we looking at something that smells or looks and smells like an opportunity that we want to proceed forward with? Uh, The metrics that we look at when we're evaluating real estate opportunities, we're looking at the internal rate of return. Uh, We're looking at the cash flow. We're also looking at, do I have the ability to create equity? Well, we do that instantly if we buy at a discount. You're buying the property with equity in it. You're already increasing your net worth if you're able to do that. Um, Can you renovate it? Can you expand it to add value to the property? Not only add value to the property, you add value to your rental price point as well. Um, Or is it a scenario like the the property that I just, uh, the most recent property I bought in the Outer Banks, uh, we're renovating it now, but long term, we're looking at it on a timeline of five to 10 years is a demolish and a rebuild. It's four lots back from the ocean. It's a smaller 1950s bungalow uh, that we're renovating and we're make it beautiful. It's, it's going to be stunning when it's done. Uh, but over the long term, the real value, the upside potential when we saw that was we knew we were just buying the property for the land value. And that over time, if we uh, if we, we get the right plan in place to build a larger property, we're going to get an ocean view. We can... Um, potentially uh, look at that opportunity to put in a mother-in-law suite. So maybe in the in the, the less demand types of year, we can because um, in the outer banks you're not allowed to you know take a, a property that's zoned for a single family and make it make it a two-family. But we can circumvent that by doing a um, a mother-in-law suite. And uh, during the summer months, we could rent the whole thing. And then in the slower times of the year, where you have less people, uh, parties and groups, now we can take the property and actually rent it to two different groups at the same time. Um, so those are some cool things there. In the last podcast too, you talked about emotions, and I found a Warren Buffett quote about this. And he says, if you can't control your emotions, you can't control your money. And I told you that I always have somebody else look over my opportunities and my deals. I don't, I don't go at it alone. But what a formal evaluation is gonna do for you if it's properly done, it's gonna tell you if you're looking at a good opportunity. It's just math at the end of the day. Um, going back to financing options, I'm going to go into a little bit more financing options here so you can hear some things maybe that you're not aware of. Um, there's many ways and loan products to finance a good real estate opportunity. And, and being educated in this area is going to be critical to our acquisitions and scaling. The most obvious, as we've talked about already, are loan products. The traditional investment property loans uh, in the U.S., they require down payments of 20 to 25%. But there's also second home loans that are available in some areas that require lower down payments, typically in the 10% range, right? Um, so knowing that's a good thing. If, you're, if you currently own real estate, you might wanna trade some of your real estate assets. Well, there's something called a 1031 exchange program, and it's designed to exchange the equity in one real estate asset to another, and we avoid paying a capital gains tax on that. Um, there's some other loan products that are out there as well. Some people are gonna prefer to, hey hey, I wanna buy it cash, right? Or they could liquidate an asset that they might have Um, or potentially borrowing against an asset. Well, maybe I have a home in Canada. It's free and clear. I take an equity line of credit on it and I can go pursue an investment property um, with that line of credit. And, you know, essentially I'm offering cash. What we recommend is that you you check with your local banks in your area you're looking to buy to see what loan programs they offer. Um, People that are looking for investment properties in that area because, they're really familiar with the investments in that area. And so, and a lot of times, not sometimes a lot of times, they're a lot more flexible than larger banks. If you're going to go that route, um, kind of talked about this touched on a little bit creative financing and deal structuring. Uh, there's owner financing, vendor, take back, there's raising private capital. Um, like I said, which is the point that Maria and I are at in our business is we're going to be raising more funds from private investors to continue our grow our acquisitions after this, uh, rental season. Um, how are we going to find good properties? Before Heather and I started this call, we were chatting a little bit and she was talking about, um, speaking with a real enter and inventory's tight and, um, people, uh, properties are getting way bid, you know, over and above the, um, the listing price. When I approached this business and, and when I approached real estate investing, I was taught to look for off market opportunities. Are there good deals on the MLS, the multiple listing service? Absolutely. Um, but that's where most of the eyes are, too. And if there's more competition in, in a marketplace, uh, that's going to drive up price points and things like that, which is something as an investor I want to avoid. So a lot of that, if, I, if we are looking on the MLS, we're also going to want to work with an investor-friendly realtor. Um, not every realtor is designed for an investor. Most realtors, they 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 operate in a retail market. Um, as an investor, you know, I try to focus on working in a wholesale market where I'm getting access to opportunities where the traditional buyer either doesn't want them or can't finance them. For example, um, in the US, if a property doesn't have a working mechanical system, HVAC, if it doesn't have a kitchen in it, that's going to eliminate all the retail buyers. They cannot buy that property with with a mortgage note. You have to be able to buy cash. Well, if you don't know how to raise money, buy cash and refinance, you're out. Um, so, so those are the, some of the things that we, we look for there. investor friendly realtors. We look for properties that might have what's called long days on market. They might be expired listings They're the houses that people don't want the poor conditions, all those sorts of things. And then we can add value to them, customize them as we want to, um, calling for sale by owners. There's for sale by owner signs all over the place. Um, find out what's going on there. Uh, and those could be scenarios too, where, Hey, if they're free and clear, they might be able to hold the paper and the note on the property. If you're just driving around the area that you like, you know, whether you're on vacation or whether you're ready to invest in that area, identify properties that you like. Maybe ones that are older, there's not a lot of activity going on it. Whether we're in Canada or US, we can cross-reference the tax bill and we can see where the tax bill is being sent. So if there's a property here in the Outer Banks but the owner is in New York, I can find that information and now I can start to craft some marketing messages to that person to say, hey, look, I'm an investor in the Outer Banks. Um, I own several properties. My growth plans is to you know, expand my business by five to six units next year. Um, I'm pretty creative in the way that I do business, and, and I'd like to speak to you about uh, this property and maybe see if you have some other assets that you might be interested in liquidating either now or over the next few years. It doesn't have to be a now thing. You know, a lot of times the fortune is in the follow-up too. Um, so we don't want to um, you know, back off of those relationships as well. And there's a lot of other lead sources as well. There's not as many foreclosures and bank owned, but there's a lot of, I guess, have a lot of equity in your properties in, in, in Canada. So you can do some pretty creative things with that. Um, make offers and more offers is the next point there. You're never going to invest. You're never going to buy a property until you make an offer and buy one. Um, that offer price point is going to be determined from that financial analysis. If all of the offers that you make are being accepted, you're probably offering too high. Um, The contract sales price has got to meet your goals and make financial sense in order to move forward. Uh, Point number six here, and now this goes um, more into the scaling side of things and and how we approach the business. Become an investor, not a landlord. There's a big difference. A landlord still trades time for money. Essentially, they're working in their business. I had a a landlord tell me one time that they had to respond to a call. This was a traditional rental uh, they got from one of their tenants to pull a potato out of the toilet bowl (laughs) on Thanksgiving. Um, and I said to him, "Well, wouldn't you have preferred to have some systems in your business and and be eating mashed potatoes with your family rather than go to pull out a, a potato out of the toilet?" So, um, as landlords, I mean, those are the things to be aware of. And and what's important to understand about time is that there's an opportunity cost in time. If you're doing something, it means you can't do something else. Um, if you are the one that's responsible for the management of your properties, and it is a holiday, well, guess what? You're still you're going to be taken away from that time from your family. And it might not be the, um, the scenario, um, that you're, that you're looking for. I have a really good quote here that I want to read by Than Merrill and, and maybe this will make it, make it a little bit more clear. It says an investor makes their money work for them and limits the time they trade for money because they understand time is a limiting factor that can put a ceiling on their income. Now, look, if your income's where you want to be totally cool, um, But if if you're trying to grow, it's really important to understand this concept. I'm going to say it one more time. An investor makes their money work for them and limits the time they trade for money because they understand that time is a limiting factor that can put a ceiling on their income. And the interesting thing about time is it's the great equalizer. Everybody has the same number of hours in the week. Whenever I ask somebody that, they're always like, how many hours in a week? They're like 40. Now, that's the number of hours in a work week. There's 168 hours in a week. Richard Branson has 168 hours in a week. Michael Hamilton has 168 hours a week. So does Heather Bayer. So does the least performing person in the world. When I first learned that, I, I said to myself, well, what's the difference between these people? How can somebody achieve so much, whether, whatever it is, whether it's in you know, financial, real estate, whatever it is, success, uh, an athlete, how can somebody achieve so much and somebody so less? It has to do with how you manage your time entrepreneurs and and very successful real estate investors are extremely intentional with their time. So, which leads me to my last point, which is develop systems. So you can start to remove yourself from the business. And uh, Heather, I think it's a good idea to put that E-myth book down there, uh, you know, (laughs) on the end of this podcast again, because that's where this comes from.
1: Yeah. It's funny you should say that because I've just written that down.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's where this comes from. This, 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 this was introduced to fan Merrill by, Michael Gerber, they later co-authored a book together uh, about the e-myth for real estate investing uh, because of the work that he was, he was able to develop um, in his business. So, for example, you know, I mentioned before, well, I have a tool that I've created to evaluate my deal, so I'm not going to sit there with a pen and paper every time to get the same vari- – you know, th- there's a few variables that change, but the, the, but the most of the mechanics are pretty much the same. So what takes me 20 minutes to put a number on a house might take somebody a week. Well, if I can make my decision quicker I'm going to be more nimble and fast um, you know marketing you know leverage you know we talk you know, we talk a lot about listing site independence and that's extremely important and that's that's absolutely a goal uh, but if you don't have a ton of time and money to do resources uh, to do marketing in the beginning you know leverage the listing sites you know they have the marketing budget they have that power to market your property um, automation uh, you know, we're putting in, we have to be very careful with this because we go back to the first podcast. You said, like, what's the thing you don't want to lose? And I said, it had to do something with Matt Land. I was talking about, we didn't want to lose our person personality, our authenticity uh, as we grow our business. So yeah, there's some things that you could put on automation, some messages, somebody instantly books with you. Yeah, there should be a message that automatically goes out, but then we have a person in place that's going to follow up to specific needs, specific questions, things like that, but they don't have to be on every single thing. Um, it's been a little bit harder on the home away side of things, although there's some auto- automation there, but Airbnb, um, the tool that we personally use is called smart BNB. And, and it's fantastic. Um, Maria, who, who deals with most of the guests, she deals with all the guest communications now. Um, she's been using that. And what we're working on right now is by the end of the season is to move her completely out of that role of, of the, um, the guest communication and, and also the, the communication with the cleaners mm-hmm. as well, um, developing checklists. Um, and what else did I have here? Yeah. So it just, you know, it goes back to, mm-hmm. you know, speed being a competitive advantage and, you know, our, our businesses, our vacation rental businesses are, are going to be a function of, of, of how we set up the platform, the framework and empower different people throughout the process to be successful. If we can create a system that's strong and robust. Whether I do it, whether Heather does it, whether Maria does it, we should get the same result. So, having reproducible systems in your business is going to lead to predictable results. And we can get that either through, well, we're going to do that through people, processes, and technology.
1: Wow, Michael, that is, that, that, that there's a huge amount of information that you shared. And I've taken well, one, two, three pages of notes now. And so I would imagine that our listeners are going to get a massive amount out of that. Can I just ask you to let people know where they could contact you or, you know, if, if they if, if they want more information or if they're, they're thinking about going into vacation rental investment a little bit more seriously and actually need some help?
0: Since the last podcast, I told you we were updating and revamping our website. Most of that's already been complete. Now, you can go to our website, you can see some of our properties. There's going to be you know, another one added here very shortly after we complete the, uh, the renovation on it. Um, so I definitely recommend going to the website. It's, it's live-swell.com, and, and I'm sure you'll have the link down there. There's a couple tabs, too. Um, I have an investors tab there. Uh, we already have investors. We raise a lot of money to do our acquisitions and, and, and stuff like this. It's not something that's unfamiliar to us. Um, we're just applying it now to the vacation rental space. So if you're an investor out there that's saying, hey, look, I'm looking to put my money to work for me. I want some more real estate exposure, um, something like that. Um, you know, we can we can discuss the opportunity. Um, you know, it's 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 about seeing if it's a match. Um, you know, we're in a scenario where we have lots of folks. and We just want to make sure we're working with folks that we can help them and they can help us at the same time. Um, we may consider even doing a little bit of consulting here in the future, um, you know, as, as time moves forward. And uh, you could also include my email address as well um, in, the, in the bottom, which is just mike at liveswell.com uh, there.
1: Okay, wonderful. Well, I'll, I'll make sure all that is included in the show notes. Mike, I just want to, take, um, just want to thank you so much for, for, for taking the time and sharing all that with, uh, with everybody. And I'll really look forward to meeting you face-to-face next week.
0: Yeah, me too. Looking forward to it. So I'll see you, uh, see you next week.
1: Wow, that was a ton of information. Thank you so much, Michael, for sharing that with everybody. Uh, I am sure we are a lot wiser now on topics of investment. And what is the difference between just, you know, a as you, as you said, a, an amateur, an amateur coming in and wanting to buy a property and rent it out, to the investor who takes a more strategic approach to the whole business of uh, purchasing vacation rental for investment, so I'm going to keep this really short. Um, please go over to the show notes if you'd like more information to go and check out Michael's uh, contact information and also to download the handout that, that Michael had, which covers some of these points or covers most of the points that he made. So head on over to the show notes uh, at cottageblogger.com and and you can collect that information. If I'm seeing you next week at the Vacation Rental Success Summit, that's fantastic. Please come up and say hello. I would be very disappointed if anybody who's out there listening who I haven't met so far doesn't come and introduce themselves. So whether it's uh, over over coffee, I'll be around um, in every coffee break. I'll be up in the dining room for lunch and breakfast and dinner. So if you're and in the bar at night. So you've got plenty of opportunity to come up, say hello, tell me about your place. And, uh, you know, I'd just love to talk to you. So thanks again for listening. If you're not coming to VRSS and, and you'd like to send me uh, an email and let me know about your own investment plans, I'd love to hear them. You can send me anything to heather at cottageblogger.com as long as it's nice. I, I really appreciate nice emails. And in fact, you know, it does seem to be that that's all I get. So thank you folks for doing that. Um, So until next time, thanks so much for joining me.
0: This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.